0: Welcome to the fish meeting. Four friends and disciples of Jesus Christ have been meeting and discussing God's word over the past 10 years with over 100,000 minutes together studying the scripture. And now they are making that study available to you. Listen in as they bring the Bible into their everyday lives. Get our study started this morning with a prayer. Goodbye with me, uh, Heavenly Father? We thank you that we have to come together to study your word. We uh, we pray for your blessing upon the study this morning, Lord. Help help guide us as we uh, as we read through the Sermon on the Mount. Help uh, help us to focus in on those things that we need to know today. We know, Lord, that this is a living word, and uh, each and every time we read it, you speak to us through it. It's, uh, it's your revelation, and so we just ask that you speak to us this morning in ways that. Uh, Uh, that we need to hear, that our hearts will be open and our minds will be opened and uh, that we'll learn from you today. We give you the praise and the glory. We ask all this in holy and blessed name. Amen.
1: Amen.
2: Amen.
0: The uh, Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew uh, 5, Chapter 17. We just last week read through the, uh, talked about the salt and the light, uh, the fact that we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now we're in the fulfillment of the law. It says this in Matthew 5. uh, We're going to start in verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Um, and actually, I think we read, we uh, talked about that last week. But, um, it wasn't a mistake that we read it again, I'm sure. So uh, I think... Um, one of the things that stuck out uh, that stuck out in my mind as I was reading through that is there was such a focus on the law. You know, the, it wasn't just the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, but the entire Sanhedrin. I think all the Jewish people were really focused on um, on keeping the law. And um, I don't know if that if the fact that Jesus said, "Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets," uh, meant that there were there was hope that, that it was. Right. I mean, I think I think there's indications that you know how um, how they might have viewed the law as as uh, you know limit uh, limiting or or oppressive, uh, even even though they had the desire um, to live within it uh, from a, you know just from a from an intellectual standpoint. Right. They, they wanted people to think they lived within the law, and they wanted to appear as if they did. Maybe in their hearts, they they recognized how difficult, how
2: impossible that was. I I have so many thoughts about this. It's hard to, to get them all into order, but the, I guess the first thing is that um, before the Jewish people, there were no laws, but he just did whatever, and it was havoc. And all of our laws today in our society are based upon the Jewish laws, everything that we have, even the calendar. I mean, everything that we have is is all of, so much of our culture is from the the Jewish law and the Jewish culture, and from from God. Um, and so I was thinking about how even today, as parents, we're teaching our kids right and wrong, which is the law is, is showing. And so the Jewish folks were teaching their kids because. As they worshiped, as they had their their holidays, as they were teaching their religion to their children as a, as very, very young kids, even Jewish people who are not particularly um devout send their kids to Hebrew school and they have a bar mitzvah um, and so it's so much of their life that when Christ came and and to them was Um, giving a different view of the law, probably not a different view than what was intended, but a different view than they interpreted, it was probably um, difficult for them to process. And so it was, to me, clarification of that. But then for us, it also is a clarification that the law still is important and the law still is valid. And it doesn't mean that you can just do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, I guess, his, I guess that was a response to the accusations that, that he was a lawbreaker, right? So it wasn't it wasn't that they were hoping he would abolish the law. It was that they were accusing him of doing that. And that's why he was saying, I didn't come to do that, I came to fulfill it. Yeah. Oh, right, right. To think about what you said, uh, how so much of our culture, uh, so much of the world's, culture is a bad word because it's so different, but so much of the, you know, what we might even think of instincts stem from God's interaction with the, with the nation of Israel 4,000 years ago.
1: Yeah, but you know what makes that stay alive, other than the Holy Spirit, is the fact that a lot of it's like the basis of the church, um, the family unit, because all of that information and that, quote, law, all of the rituals, all of the belief system is passed from generation to generation. You know, it's so interesting because... I remember when I was about 11, I was at my Aunt Margie's house, and she's my godmother, and we were getting ready for a Christmas party, and she wanted me to do some posters. And I remember writing Xmas, and she stopped everything and said, No, 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 we never write that. You cannot take, look at what you took out of Christmas. And then she was showing me Christmas. And so it's funny because. When you're 11, you don't know. You think the whole world believes the same thing that your aunt's telling you. And that's the power of generation generational um, training. Because to this day, I never have written Xmas. As a matter of fact, I never write Christmas without capitalizing Christ and then a small M.A.S. But, you know, when you think about generational impact and the power of it, I feel like that was one of the Special things that God gave the Jewish people was their strong ability to pass that information down. But I think it's so strong that even today they can't see any improvement. You know that that God made.
0: And then I can't. I still can't recognize. You know the, what he's what he's saying here, right? And, um, and I think what you meant by improvements is you know the what Christ brought um, in, And so mm-hmm. they, were, they were looking for the. Um, they were looking for the coming king and they can't see the fact that what he did was come to fulfill the law right and, and it, it became about um, you know it, it became about the, the um, you know, just the, the mechanics I guess you could say of of keeping the law and they didn't see the purpose of what the law was you know certainly there's you know, based on what you were saying sure Right? the, the um, and of course that's the mission of the Lord's Church. Right, Labor to promote the family unit, so we can keep keep that that uh, generational teaching alive. Um, uh, certainly, there's a piece of that, like it says in the Psalms or the Proverbs. If we if we follow his commands, you know, we will we'll, we'll live a long life. And I guess the idea behind that is that is you know, you're safe and healthy. But um, but even more than just living a um, a life that pleases God, uh, the purpose of the law was to was to was to show man's sin, so that they knew that they had a need for a redeemer, right, to, to recognize that, that uh, there was a damage that had been done to the relationship with God, that uh, unlike what Satan thought, right, we couldn't rise to the level of God, we couldn't meet his glory. And uh, and I think that's the second part in verse 18 when Jesus says, uh, you know, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. Nothing will be taken away from the law, right, so that, that uh, the fact that nothing changes, right? That it's not like Dr. B said earlier, it's not like um now we can do all the stuff the law said we couldn't do. Nothing will change. Uh, nothing will disappear until everything is accomplished. And that was a you know, that was a foreshadow of course to his death on the cross when he said it it is finished. And that harkens back to what he says here, right? What did he mean by it is finished? Not that uh not that the law is done away with, but that it's been fulfilled.
2: Yeah, and that's uh that part that i find so energizing and fascinating when i'm reading the bible is to look at jesus's life and look how many of the prophecies have been fulfilled i mean that's the thing that when you when you that's how I, i can't believe people don't believe because it's just one after another it's just not it's just not oh a couple prophecies i mean it's hundred that he fulfilled. It's crazy. Well, it's not crazy. It's, it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, I used to have that, that number written. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's statistically um, impossible that he isn't the Christ based on the number of prophecies that he literally fulfilled. And,
2: and all of those prophecies are in the Old Testament. All, and all of those Jews who have been taught from um, little children about God's law and the Old Testament in Hebrew school know those prophets, that's why they they skip I can't remember which one it is in Isaiah that has so many of the prophets they skip that chapter
0: yeah, I agree that's is the one that uh Sunil likes to quote all the time was bruised for our iniquities you know it's yeah uh, and it's and it's in its specific prophecy right and uh, sometimes I think uh you know it's easy to to start thinking about this as you know, kind of like um you know uh in certain Areas uh, where they have those um, people that read tarot cards or palm readers or you know other types of uh, of um, I guess we call them psychics uh, they uh, sometimes they say things so you know what's that one famous one that was on t v all the time um, when they try to solve crimes I'm trying to remember a name but anyway uh sometimes they say things that are so general that would the person that they're talking to can see themselves in it. Right, but no matter, it's so it's so general, but worded in a way that sounds specific. You know, that's not what this is. It, these are very specific prophecies that that there's no question Jesus fulfilled, and there's so many of them that that statistically um, one man wouldn't fill couldn't fulfill them by chance unless he was the person that they were prophesying about. But, you know, it's really yeah. for anybody who's looking for proof, right? Uh, that's there's really I think that's what happened with the guy that uh, who wrote the case for Christ right when he started seeing all that I think that's exciting. Well, I
2: think that many people who are challenged to read the Bible for whatever reason you know they do one dog ministry um, you know that's what happened to him I'm going to prove I'm going to prove this this uh, missionary wrong and so he he read the Bible cover to cover and then he you know it was revealed to him the missionary isn't wrong. Islam is wrong. That's the so, power.
1: Go ahead, Chair. No, I, I just, you said the word missionary and it reminded me what I was going to tell you. Uh, we, I want to make sure that we say a prayer in closing today. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard the news, but there are about 20 missionaries in Haiti that are being held hostage. The demand is, I can't remember, it was like 12 or 14 million, something like that. And if it's not paid, they're going to kill them. And this has been going on now, I think, for about uh, 48 hours. So I want to make sure to say a prayer for them today.
2: Yeah, it's it's 17 and they're 17 million, and it was last Saturday that they were oh. abducted. Yeah. Oh okay. it, It's uh, it's <coughs> a person. Yep. All
0: right, um, that's good. Uh, definitely remember to say a prayer for them. Um, the um, interesting thing is the transition that that takes us into uh, in Matthew. Uh, the next part of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus talking about murder, and this is in Matthew 5:21. And he says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone, um, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come back and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do do it while you are still together on the way, or your uh, adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer. You may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. (laughs) And that transition into, you know, the transition from... The abstract um, subject of hate and murder to the very specific details of going to court and being arrested. Um, almost, uh, you know, it, it uh, you, you missed the point. I think that he's making the parable there, right? And um, and I think that's uh, you know, this is this this was this this was I think. Uh, what am I trying to say? Um, this this was uh, a very specific example of what. Uh, the law was intended to do, right? And and all that teaching that we talked about earlier and and, and everything about the specifics of the letter of the law, thou shalt not murder, and and that's what they taught their kids, right? And and, uh, and they felt like if they didn't murder, then they were keeping God's commandment. And uh, and I love what Jesus does here. I know we we quote this a lot, but it, it really puts it in perspective in my mind it It isn't about the physical act of murder, certainly physical act of murder is is a sin, but what the law was supposed to do is show man that you know the hatred that Cain had for Abel, that hatred that that we can have for those for any number of reasons. that's the reason that the law was made right and And if we want to fulfill the law, if we want to to live up to the glory of God, it's not just restraining from acting out in the way that we that we desire to act is actually changing our heart towards each other. And, um, you know, that's a, to me, that's just a, you know, it's a, that change that change in mindset um, really puts it in perspective about how it's just impossible for man to do
2: without God, without the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, just a, a, a little twist on what you said, and I totally agree with, with everything that you said. Um, the law was given to us, so that we would recognize our sinful nature and our need for god um because otherwise we just do whatever we wanted we could you know and whatever we say goes and we you know people who act like that this um the first part of this about shall not murder uh, reminds me of i i'm there's this app called right now, and it's um Got all of this, these, uh, religious studies that you can do, and my church gives it to us. I mean, you can buy it yourself, but my church has bought it for the church, and if you give me your email address, you can get it for free, and I'm always doing a study. Actually, it's a pretty good study. It's how to talk to your kids, um, about Jesus, and it's beyond kids. It's just a it's just a good study. Um, and one of the things that she said was how confusing it is in our world today because this reminded me of being judgmental, you know, and it says, well, we shouldn't be judgmental. And, you know, people take that out of context, um, and we need to put it into context. So her point was when Jesus came, he said that there are, you know, the greatest law, love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And the second greatest is to love your neighbor as yourself. What people do is they take, oh, love your neighbor as yourself, which means I should let people do whatever they want because I'm loving them. But that's not, that's not loving them with a worldview from God, and that's love God first. So when you, when you are um, dealing with the world and trying to love them, you need to love them through the lens of what God says is truth, and um, be, you know, kind to them in a way that is directing them towards God and truth, and not loving them so that they can be damned to hell. Right. It's really, an interesting um, perspective because I think that gets very muddy and mucky and it it is sometimes really hard to know how to do that.
0: joined us nine minutes early, earlier than he said he was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good <Hi>. morning, everybody.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, that. Uh, I, think, I, uh, I think that gets, uh, I, I think you're exactly right. That gets mixed up all the time, and um, even, to, and you can see it today, you know, it used to be su- more subtle, I think, and then. You know I, I think it's true the more things change, the more they stay the same but um, but what we're experiencing at least in our lifetime is, is something way more obvious than what it used to be and you know people celebrate disorders um, and then excuse the behaviors that come out of it right instead of instead of seeking remedies for the disorders and uh, you know it's almost uh it's almost a positive it's almost a, a an asset in society to have to have some sort of mental disorder that that causes you to act in bad ways. People, you know, people uh, get away with, well, really they're getting away with murder, right? These days because, oh well, they've got this thing. I mean, it's just crazy when you when you have when you have these um, you know uh, young guys that uh, commit violent crimes, including murder, and then they're out of jail within within 24 hours uh, with the with the news media excusing the fact that they had a, a rough childhood or they were you know abused in some way or whatever the excuse is. Um, and I think it comes out of what you were saying, right? We, we take things like thou shalt not judge uh, and, and uh, love your neighbor and apply them in ways that, that isn't what God wanted. And that's exactly what the, the, the Pharisees were doing here. And that's why Jesus said, you know, you're know, you thinking about the act of murder and you hate each other and, and yet feel like you're okay because you haven't murdered anybody. But That's not what this, the point of this is.
2: You know, it's yeah, interesting. And just take, Go ahead, B. I I was just going to say, just take that one, one step further. Not only are they getting, not only criminals who are doing things because of their mental disorders or whatever disorders that they have, getting away with murder, how many people are aborting and getting away with murder?
1: Well, that was what I was going to say. The frightening thing is that it doesn't matter what the topic or the behavior, and, and abortion is an example you can have the gang mentality is that the majority is right. So you can be the only person following God's law in a situation where everyone else is doing the exact opposite, and you're the one that's wrong. So when I think about, okay, you know I always get this wrong. Was it Lot? Who was the person that was by themselves in the horrible, horrible place? Right. A lot. Oh, my gosh, I got it right. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and there's the miracle of Christ right there. <laughs> Anyway, when I think about Lot, I think about, oh, my gosh, you know that the Holy Spirit had to be in him to help him live in that situation. Because when we look at today, politics, you know, there's, it's so split that no matter what you believe, there's a ton of people that believe the opposite. So I just feel like, um, I don't know, I think that's almost like the root of all evil. I know that it's supposed to be money, but when people encourage each other, to do the wrong thing instead of the right thing, look at what happens. And I think that's the power in what, what God was trying to get us to do, is we're supposed to be doing that same thing, but for the right, for God's, you know, um, I was going to say law, but we're just talking about, it's not law, but God's commandments are, and that's what we're supposed to be doing, is influencing other people to do the right thing. And it seems like we're not nearly as organized as the bad folks.
0: Well, the bad influences are uh, just much more influential, I guess, right? because it takes the Holy Spirit to want to do the right thing from God's perspective. So uh, this
3: is this is this is a very interesting conversation. Uh, but my take on this is uh, whose fault is this? And and I am taking the stance that this is the church's fault. So. What's happening is the culture out there, either the church is supposed to impact the culture or the culture impacts the church. When the, when the church exactly. fails to impact the culture, then the culture will impact the church. And, and what is the church? Church is not a building. Church is people like all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we all are supposed to be impacting the culture to change it. Now, this cult, what we are seeing in today's culture is nothing new. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, he was tackling the same problem. The Corinthian <laughs> church, uh, the, the city of Corinth, actually when Paul wrote, uh, Corinth was at its heyday like around or 500 years before that, but even when Paul wrote to them, they were still a very... A powerful place and impacting the culture and everything, and Paul found the same thing that we are discussing inside the church and What he was addressing was that the church got impacted by the culture and so so it 's nothing new but I think the responsibilities of the church if uh, if we if we are born again and we become supernatural people with this new state that we claim we have, then I think we've, we have fallen short to impact the culture. Now, obviously, that impacting the culture is not going fighting with the culture, but doing it with love. And like Dr. B said, that's the difficult part, and it's hard to know how to do it. But I think the blame goes to the church, not to the culture. The culture doesn't know. They're, they're not in a new state of being. They're in the old state. They have no idea what they are talking about, what they are doing, but we know what we are doing and what we are talking about. So so that's my view on this.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great... I agree. I was, I was hearing in my head or seeing in my mind as you were talking about that, uh, Daniel, I was seeing Jesus give this, this message, and, and it really is, you know, I, I always think, I, I I tend to think about it as talking to a, an obstinate Perth people, right? Because we read about how the Pharisees and the and the Sadducees were out to, you know, to, to arrest him for what he was doing and all that kind of stuff. But, but I think when he was talking on the Sermon on the Mount, and maybe it's influenced by the, the way that um, that, uh, that miniseries, um, The Chosen, portrayed it, but I, I think he was, he was talking to people that that first sentence was in agreement, right? He said, you have heard that it was said long ago, you shall not murder. And I think many people were like, yes, we heard that, you know, that's right, we shouldn't murder. And then he says, "But I tell you, this is how you should think about it." And so, I, you know, maybe he was talking to a friendly crowd, um, and uh, and that's what he was saying is, um, you know, like, uh, like you were, you know, what you were just saying is, this is how we influence the world, right? and and uh, the world n- knows not to murder, but that, but that's not the, that's not the way to think about this. What, you know, what the, you know, in our in our day, right, the, the what the church should be influencing the world in is, is in how we treat each other not just what we refrain from doing to each other.
1: You know, it it goes back to what we've talked about forever, and that is intent. You know, there's so many people that talk about the fact that, who don't understand the true meaning of of some of these things from God, but they'll say, no matter what you do, if you ask for forgiveness, then you'll still go to heaven. And that is so not true, because you can, you you know, people in prison can say all they want, but God can see what's in their true heart. And there are people who have been horrible, at the very end, that will end up in heaven, if truly in their hearts they finally understand all this. But there's a lot of people out there who think that they're on their way to heaven, but in their heart they have murderous thoughts and not caring for others. And so I think it all goes back to what we've always said. It's the intent and what you really feel, whether you act on it or not, is a different story.
3: So so, so, so that's
1: another topic
3: of, you know, uh, it's hard to understand, or maybe it's very easy to understand. So the Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So I think the, the salvation is easy. The sanctification is hard. So because that's what the Bible says. You call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And it doesn't give more information on what's in your heart or, you know, are you going to lead a righteous life? and what we, obviously we are supposed to lead a righteous life and that's the sanctification part of it and that comes uh, and, and i would like to know everybody's thought on this topic too because that's also a very we, we think about that like what does it mean people say i'm saved and it don't look like they're living a good life uh, but i think the salvation is that if the bible is true you call upon the name of the lord and you'll be saved
0: yeah i think uh i think um, I think there's, a, I think this is a hard thing to put into words, right? But I, I'm, I, I definitely believe um, that salvation is the work of God, right? And, and there's nothing we can do to earn it. We can't be good enough, you know. We we uh, we put our faith in Christ. To, you know, like you said, it says uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your hearts God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. Um, however, if we've done that, then I don't think there's any way with the Holy Spirit living within us in our and our hearts being changed, um, that, that's all promised um, in, the, in the Bible too, right? When we put our faith in Christ, um, the old has passed away, all things become new. So I don't think we would continue to live in, in habitual sin. I don't think we would be able to. I mean, you guys experience it too, right? I mean, any time uh, we do something that we you know, either knew beforehand we shouldn't or recognize later that we shouldn't, there's a physical reaction to that. And, and so I think it's impossible for somebody who's put their faith in Christ to continue to do those types of things, right, to continue to live the way they used to live. And I also think it's possible if you allow yourself to fall away that you can, you can become more and more comfortable living in the old life, right, if you allow yourself to ignore that conviction and that physical reaction. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't disagree with what Jerry said. Um, I just wouldn't, um, I wouldn't think about it in terms of you have to do that in order to be saved. Right, so it's not something that I have to um, under my own power and in my own will do and then God accepts me I think God when we put our faith in him like Samuel says he writes our relationship and he fills our heart and the Holy Spirit takes residence up in the temple uh, which is our bodies and as a result of that um, we sin last. So anybody that continues to live that way and say I can do whatever I want to because I'm saved, I, I don't. I wouldn't say is saved. I, I would, say, and that's not a judgment. I'm just saying I, I can't, um, I can't. Uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't think it's possible for somebody who's truly put their faith in Christ and understood what He did for us, accepted what He did on the cross, to be okay with hating their brother. I just don't think that's possible. Yeah, yeah and
1: I think that, you know, Starzino, go ahead.
0: I was going to say that's a very good uh,
3: kind of explanation. And that makes yeah. perfect sense. Uh, and I was going to compare it with uh, if somebody says I'm saved and he is not doing the way Tim explained, then it's like those sons of Skiva who were casting out demons and they wanted to buy the power from Paul uh, yeah. to use it for their benefit. So maybe then that's this person who's saying like this is trying to con God in that sense. Yeah, no, that, that's a, thank you, Tim. That was a good explanation right there. Yes, Sherry, please go ahead.
1: Yeah, so just to reiterate that, that's what I was thinking too, and I think that you guys described it better than I did, but there's a big difference between someone who's at a point and they, they call out to God and he helps them. There's a big difference between that and somebody who is, come on, God, what are we going to do about this? I've been horrible and I don't intend to stop, but I called you and now you got to fix it that's you know there's people that think like that and i think that there's a difference there between the the intent you know one of us one of us very is full of malice um the good thing though is if you get god's attention he can at least start to work so maybe maybe that's how that happens i don't know but um i just i just never underestimate the power of evil and sometimes i think it's frightening um you almost have to understand it a little bit in order to know where to help and where to avoid.
2: Yeah,
0: the devil's good at what he, what he tries to do. There's no doubt about that.
2: Can I can I back us up for one minute? Because the Holy Spirit put this on my heart, and I just feel like I need to share this. Um, and this goes back to what Janiel was, was saying early on. But I think that, you know, this being the church's fault, this being our fault, I think we're all going to be, I think that's absolutely true, and I think we're all going to stand in front of God, and we're going to have to give an account to what we did and how we acted and who we helped or corrected, not, in a, not judgmental. We still got to look at ourselves, and we got to take that log out of our eye before we take the speck out. And he never said, don't take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. He said, just make sure you do it after you take that log out of your eye. And so we need to look at ourselves and, and really assess, are we, are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit in us? And are we um, approaching folks that come into our path to help them? Because it all is going to direct them to Christ ultimately, and that's what we're called to do.
3: Yeah, I was thinking of the example of Billy Graham, and this is again listening to the Holy Spirit. That's what the key words word that you said there, or the phrase. So at some point, Billy Graham uh, made peace with himself and with God because he was struggling through questions of, about God before he really started his ministry and and he was able to come to a conclusion that he's just going to preach the salvation message that's his calling just tell people you pray the sinner's prayer and come to god and he stuck with that throughout his life that was the main focus of his ministry and he succeeded beyond anybody's imagination so that's so, so there is a clarity that and, and each of us may have a different role we have to figure out, what is that role? Is our role just one step? Is our role just uh, a, a lot more than that? And, and and I believe that even though I say that, well, it's our fault, that, that doesn't mean we can't do anything about it, or we have no idea. No, I think if we stay in God, if we stay connected to the Holy Spirit, we stay in the Word, we stay in meetings like this, God will give us clear direction and but it takes that much of thing it's not like free-floating thing we dip in when we want it is a disciplined life that's why we are called the disciples go and make disciples and uh and disciple means disciplined one it but god gives us the power it's not the discipline of like in the world you can become very disciplined in the stock market and play it well it's not that kind of discipline. This is. Uh, this is something supernatural, but it does need that much effort. It's not uh, without effort now. <laughs> Jesus said, my burden is light. So it's not going to be a yoke around our neck, but uh, but there is something on our part to keep listening to God and see what he says. And he may say, just go and help one person or go uh, smile when you are out there or just show how you are working with integrity to people and and and, and that will change the culture and 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 i think we all are impacting the culture it's not that we are not it's probably is not in the critical mass because otherwise we would see see, see change in the culture i think people who are coming in contact with us know that we are a little bit different than them uh, like i heard somebody say uh, he was in a in a party and somebody said oh uh, you're a christian i wouldn't have guessed it <laughs> so, so he said that was not a compliment <laughs> so so i think people can guess that we are christians we are a little bit different uh so, and, and and that is impacting the culture <laughs> but i think we need a critical mass where because i always wonder how did we end up with this culture and i'm thinking in the United States, every place you go, there is a church. You, you you go out of your house, travel a little bit. The church is all over the place. Then why the culture is different? And and I used to wonder, these things I hear in the church and I go to work, it's the total opposite of that. And I'm thinking, what is this? It's, uh, it's so strange. And it's because somehow we were not you know impacting the culture in a way that it should be. But we are still not powerless. Like well, there is hope.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that part of it is that it's not just what we've done. I think that the evil one has taken every opportunity, every crack in the fundamental principles of Christ, and, and exploited them. So even in a church, when somebody is fortunate enough to tithe a huge amount and the church thanks them publicly, jealousy comes in. And pretty soon that having money is something that's glorified. I mean, I can picture the devil working in those ways. You know, just like when you were talking about there's a responsibility. You know, we have talked about this at length. It was one of my pet peeves, is that when everyone said, you can't work your way into heaven. True, but you have a responsibility as a Christian to do certain things. Stay in the word so that you understand what God's trying to tell us, To you know, to your point, Sunil. The other thing is Whether it's to travel to other countries and be a missionary or whether it's to talk to one person, you have to do that if that's what God's put on your heart. not listening to that. There's Christian responsibilities that make us different to let people see that. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of churches out there who have people who might not have stayed in the Word and they feel like they're doing enough. And those are the people that need to be reminded by their fellow Christians that, you can't learn this once and then that's the way you live every day. You have to constantly, it's ever-evolving and ever-revealing to deepen your understanding. So, yes, the church, but I think that there's, there's spiritual forces that are really trying to make it not work, which is part of what we know happens all the way through the end of the Bible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's right from the very beginning, right? I mean, uh, um, it's the compromise, uh, you know, when the devil... Um, said to Eve, you know, ah, you won't die. Surely that can't be in there. So, you know, I, I, you know it's, it's more of a passive blame probably, right, I think, uh, because we've, uh, the church, um, I think, has allowed the devil to affect to compromise in, in a way that um, is the opposite of what Christ is doing. Right? I mean, think about what he's doing. Right? There's a law that says thou shalt not murder. And then the next one, right, you've heard that it said you shall not commit adultery but i tell you that anyone who looks at a woman with lust in their heart has already committed adultery with her. and and so uh, that's what christ said right the law says don't do this i'm saying if you desire to do it you've already com- you've already committed the crime right you've already mm-hmm. you've already done it and, and
1: what, yep intent
0: right and what the, what society says right and and where we've allowed as a as a church organization right i don't mean any of us in particular, but but uh, what we've allowed as a church um is, is the compromise in the other direction. that says, hey, you know, it, it's okay if you desire to do that because, you know, it's so cruel for us to suppress those feelings, right? And whatever whatever it is that, uh, you know, that the the you know, society is now uh, celebrating. You know, we, we, you know, that, it goes back to the saying that today's morality is nothing more than yesterday's immorality. Right? And, and while Jesus was taking it one way, uh, the devil has influenced uh, us in, in ways that, move it in the other direction and we become yep. okay with worse and worse and worse things. I mean, it's a
1: silly thing. Yeah, and, no, 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 I'm sorry, Tim, go ahead. I
0: was going to say, it's, we've talked about this before and it's a silly thing to think about, especially with the way things are now, but yeah. I remember a time, I know all of us do, where they couldn't, it was against the law to show two people in bed together on television without one person having a foot on it. And just think about what we're okay showing on television these days and rating PG-13 or PG or whatever. I mean, it's a, uh, it's alarming when you, when you when you sit and think about it, how far we've degraded in morality.
2: Yeah, no,
3: there's a shift that happened starting in the 60s. This is not in the two, 2021 or something. This started in yep. the 60s, and then it has progressed, yep. and that's where we are. Now, I don't know what is there in the supernatural that is, you know, I don't think this is news to God. God knows all this and uh, so so i don't know what is there and how, how do you explain it in the dispensational way mm-hmm. where we are today uh but it has been for the last uh, more than half a century
2: well i think i think satan has used
1: not to judge each other as a way to make it worse because if you look at society and you look in churches um the worst person with the worst behavior is is making everyone else change their behavior I mean, we literally, because people are afraid to call somebody out. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean to do it in an unloving way. I don't mean to say to be horrible. But rebuking another Christian on their behavior and how they impact, people don't want to do that. They want to keep the peace. And, and I think that Satan uses that as a way to keep us from doing that. So now, guess who's in charge? The immoral, the people who, who are uh, supporting abortion the people who think it's okay to be nearly naked on stage as long as you're making millions. I mean, we literally have people who play ball and pretend at life, actors and actresses, setting the standards of our society instead of Christian leaders. So I think that, you know, our human's natural sinful nature is just exploited in every opportunity. And I think that Satan tries to use God's word against us all the time. And I think that in the the 60s was an example, Sunil, of love your neighbor. Yeah, well, that turned into love them no matter what they do and don't be too hard on them if they get caught. And that's not right, but it happens everywhere.
2: Well, and it's yeah. been indoctrinated in our schools so much now that kids are coming coming out of school and now our young adults who – say the most uh, I don't even know how to describe it it's like you know right is wrong and left is right and up is down because they twist the word so that it sounds what we would say is politically correct and loving and kind and yet they totally miss the point you know the uh, the woman's right to her body it's her right to do whatever she wants because it's her body has become some kind of a a mantra and something to to live up to when we all as parents know that once you have a child, you are responsible for that child. That's a responsibility. And that responsibility starts at conception, not at um, the whim of the person. It can't be, oh, yeah, well, when they get to be 12 years old then I'll start taking responsibility
0: I think uh, I love that concept of responsibility starting at conception but I think we need to move it back a little bit and uh, I think the responsibility starts at intercourse
1: oh yeah absolutely and here's the thing it is a woman's body and it's her right to do with whatever she wants when it's only her body but the minute there's another body now that that right goes away so I you know there's there's a lot, it's kind of like when Tim talks about scripture and people take the part that they like and they don't finish the rest of it. Abortion is the, the arguments for abortion are the same. Yes. It's a woman's right to do what she wants with her, with her body, but nobody finishes that and says the minute you conceive now, it's not just your body. Now you can't make any more decisions. Now, now there's somebody else that has a say and until you can talk with them and they can answer you back, you can't make any decisions. So,
0: a little, a yeah. said it
2: might be your body, but it's not system. True, yeah. But it's only your right to do what you want with your body relative to sexuality, not about putting chemicals into it. Yeah, that's right. You
0: can't, mm-hmm. It's not your choice whether you get vaccinated. Right.
2: Nope. <laughs> okay. We might need another
1: hour respons- today.
3: <laughs> I was going to say this responsibility part, you know. I mean, people will think of it, if they are born again, this much without being born again, I, I, I don't know how a normal person would uh, think of these things, especially in a very free society like here. Now, in closed societies, the culture, uh, I know in the Eastern world that I'm familiar with, the culture is very closed and they actually behave like the way we are talking people should behave. Although these people are idol worshippers because of the culture, and and the culture has kept them closed, but it has also uh, not allowed them to, to do a lot of things that we think are wrong. So so that's another, I, I always think of it, what is it? The, the things that I am learning in Christianity, a lot of these closed cultures actually follow them, but they are not Christian. And here we live in a very free society, and people don't follow what Christianity tells us. Mm-hmm. Does it resonate
1: with you all? Uh,
3: this concept. Now I know it because I, I I came from that culture. I know those cultures very well.
1: No, uh, it makes perfect sense.
0: Go ahead, Tim. I was going to say it makes it does it does make sense, right? And and from what little I've seen, um, there's parts of it that I think uh, that I think that re- that resonates. You know. Um, yeah, but what I was thinking about when you said when you were saying that is it's kind of like the Pharisees, right? It, they live that way because of the cultural pressures and the penalties if they don't. Um, but do they, is that what's in their heart? You know, because then there's there's other things that um, that happen in, in some cultures that are just beyond imagination in my mind. Right? So you know, think about how how some cultures treat women. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's hard without the experience, but it sounds it resonates what you say. Yeah, I think the Pharisee yeah.
3: analogy is a good one. I think that's what it is. Yes.
2: Janil, is that is that a shame culture? You know, there's like three basic cultures in the world, and one of them is a is a shame. Yeah, shame? I, I I I don't I don't know the uh,
3: you know the three basic what are those? But yes, they have a lot of shame, no question. And and. You know, on the on the spiritual side, they have a lot of fear, too. They are oppressed people. There is no question. They are not born again. But the things they do are what we Christians think should people do, except they worship the idols. <laughs> if they were not worshiping idols, it would be hard to differentiate them from us.
0: You know, I was thinking, too, as we were talking about that, and Sherry, I know you were going to say something so I'll, before, I, before I go on.
1: No, no. No, you're fine. I, I forgot it. It's okay.
0: The, um, one of the things that seems like a difference, right? If you're saved or not saved, as far as this responsibility goes, is uh, you know somebody who it, who hasn't hasn't truly accepted Christ. Right? They they may have they may have uh, you know, assented to the fact that, that there is a Christ, that you know, believe in God or whatever. But if you haven't accepted Christ, if you haven't had that salv- salvific, faith, but, you know, then then you might tend to look for loopholes, right, right, in the law. Right there's excuses for the the things you want to do. When you when you've accepted Christ and you've entered your heart and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's, it, you know it's not that you, you you're perfect, right? We'll still do things wrong and things that we shouldn't do wrong, but but we no longer have that desire to find a loophole to excuse it. Right? The desire is to do right. And there's and I think there's actual to one degree or another. I mean all this stuff I think you know when it says in the New Testament that according to the measure of his faith, right? So we have faith uh that God gives us we have you know spiritual gifts that God gives us all according to, to the measure that you know that has been given us but um but there's a you know there's a desire to do what pleases God and when we don't do what pleases God there's you know there's regret and um we say repentance right and that's a a, a biblical term and you know but, but really it's that regret right and 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 we turn from from those things so that we can please God i think that's the That's what I see as the difference between, you know, uh, before we're saved and after we're saved, is we no longer look for those loopholes. Now I want to go to heaven, but I want to excuse all this bad behavior. Uh,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And it becomes a desire to please God. And that's what drives it. Well,
1: I think you said it. I think you need to please God first. So people that are in their ego, that are of the flesh, in the flesh, satisfying the flesh, that's when they put themselves before God. And there's a, there's a transition that has to happen there when you understand enough to, or the Holy Spirit has grown enough in you. You've allowed it. You've listened. And now you cannot put yourself before God. Like, yeah, this is a, a simple, simple example, but people don't realize that just like sin, putting yourself before God is different um, in many different ways. But even when a, a checker makes a mistake in your favor, Christians are, true Christians are going to point that out. Other ones are not. And that's when you're still in the flesh. Even if you believe in God, even if you're a Christian, there's a growth. I always think of it like a gradient. And it's not to be judgmental. It's factual. I mean, I'm a realist. The reality is that there's a growth on a continuum. And, you know, in the beginning, even though you're a Christian, you still put yourself first. And that's all ego, as far as I can see. It always comes back to the seven deadly sins.
3: On the, on, on the c- cultural hopeful side, uh, recently I visited uh, New Mexico and I made it a point to go to the church there where my daughter Christine goes just to see how they are doing things there. And I was so impressed. And I, I, I saw young people. I saw older people there in the church. It was, it was one of those probably big churches uh, but the way things were done was so excellent uh, you know we, we we went in and people at the in the parking lot are smiling and waving at you and you, they you know you go inside the church it was a very modern church there was a cafe and there was music playing in the hall there was big screen you know like Somebody from Madison Avenue is probably giving them direction how to market themselves. And then, and everybody, it looked like some well-run organization. Uh, But since I'm involved in my church, I know how much work must be going on behind the scene to do that. And then we went inside, and uh, the worship team was like one of those, uh, what is it, uh, uh, the group from Australia, uh, Hillsong type, you know, all young people and just worshiping and and the presentation and uh, and then the pastor comes in and he just uh, you know hit it out of the park. So it was so good. I was and and I took notes actually while I was there so that I can share it with my church and uh, and and then because we were the first time visitors we signed that card or something i got a personal message from the pastor on my phone a video message and he's calling me by my name <laughs> it was uh, so so that's the hopeful side and and i was talking to my daughter and she said they have a lot of emphasis on excellence doing things with excellence and i've heard from some other new church planter type people they all emphasize on excellence so so they are doing things with excellence and they are trying to go out and impact and and, and 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 these people were pretty much like the pastor you know he was showing his frustration too with the, with the culture and he was giving solutions uh, uh, and um, so so that's the hopeful side that and and, and they are capturing young people now i don't know if these young people are those young people whose parents also were christians but you know whichever way uh, god's movement you know is going to continue and if we look at the first 3 centuries after christianity you know it was it was bad people like us were actually burned at the stake so so god's move you know this thing will continue uh, but obviously we all have to just stay in touch with God and do our part. And mm-hmm. even though we see it like so bad, but I think we don't have a reason to be discouraged in any way. There are a lot of good things happening all over. And and this is on the West Coast, you know, which we think is very liberal. And, yeah. and, and these people didn't come across to me as liberal. And they were young people, they were middle-aged, they were old, every stripe, and they were on fire and, and doing things with excellence.
1: You know, you make a good point, Sunil, because think about it. Social media is horrible. I mean, it really has impacted our society, and there's this false sense of reality based on what we see in social media. You know, you can plug yourself into groups of people with like minds, and now you've negated anyone who doesn't agree with you. Um, it's, it's definitely based in an evil format. And think about this. What perfect to make people think that the world is going, quote, to hell in a handbasket than to focus on the debauchery and celebrate that kind of behavior and not Christian values. So if you live in social media and they've taken that over, you don't think, you you know, we could really be thinking that Christianity is dying when in fact it's growing more and more powerful, but that's not what Satan wants us to see. And if if you look back, You know, there's a reason that so many Christian leaders fell. Jimmy Swaggart, the the Bakers, you know, all kinds of people that used to be somebody that could lead us in a certain way. They all fell from human, you know, human fleshly things. It was like all part of the plan, but not the good plan, the bad plan. And now the impression is give up. You're going to be the only one. And that's not true. So, you know, you have to take that into context as well. You know, we need to start celebrating the good things and having as much, um, you know, nobody's out filming a positive thing except for the chosen. And look at how much traction that chosen has gotten. We need more of that because I don't think it's what it seems. I think you're right, Sunil. It's it's different. We just can't find it yet when you're one place in this earth.
0: All right. Well, I think that was uh, definitely uh, led by the Holy Spirit with uh The discussion, the robust discussion we had, really on just a couple verses in the Sermon on the Mount. So, I think that was great. Sadly, uh, sadly, I think we're out of time. Until next week, when we can, uh, when we pick it up from here. Um, And uh, I think I'll close with a prayer, and that we'll remember Bella and the um, and the Haitian missionaries. Any other prayer requests?
1: Uh, Prayer for for our sister Kim, who's getting her second shot of vaccination today. I just hope it doesn't upset her MS. Heavenly Father, we thank
0: you for for guiding
1: us in our discussion,
0: for helping us to explore all those areas where where we're vulnerable as human beings. You know that um, that we have a nature that uh, was corrupted by the, the disobedience that Adam and, and Eve portrayed so many years ago. But we know that that's been fixed, right? Our relationship with you has been reconciled through our faith in Christ, and, and Lord, we know now the hard work begins. With, uh, turning us into the people that you've designed us to be. And we just thank you so much for the Holy Spirit and the, and the hands of the potter on us uh, as we live our lives listening to the Spirit with a desire to please you, with the desire to do the things that, that further your plan because we're servants of yours, Lord. And we just uh, we just ask that you be with us to help us recognize those things, help us to know when, when we're not doing what we're supposed to or when we're doing the things that you, you don't want us to do. because our desire, sincerely, Lord. In our hearts, is to so we just we just give you thanks and praise. We we hold up Bella and Kim before you uh, this morning, Lord. As others that need that need you, but these two in, in particular, Lord, we hold up before you that you be with them and their struggles and be with those that are caring for them and just uh, just watch over them, bring them back to their health. Um, and we pray, Lord, that uh, that you're that you're in control of that situation. That's one of those things that we can say is true. We know that uh, we can. We can pray as if you've already answered the prayers because of the promises that you have. We are two or more gathered together in your name. So we claim that is true today, Lord, and give you praise. We also ask that you be with those currently in uh, in Haiti that are spreading your gospel, that are fulfilling your command to go forth into the nations and to, and to tell people about the gospel of Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're in danger today, Lord, for those who want to stop that message from being... From being uh, spread, and so we just ask that you be with them, uh, help them to to be freed from their captives, and we just pray, Lord, that that, that doesn't end um, in the, in the threats that have been made against them. But we know that that you are in control, Lord, and so we just pray that uh, your will is done, and that that you help us to be uh, to be aligned with that will, to be to be faithful, knowing that you are in control. And so we ask all this, Lord, uh, today uh, in the holy and blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: This has been a production of the Fish Meeting Bible Study Group. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week as we continue our study of God's Word. Until then, live what you learn.